Welcome back at long last to another episode of the Box Jumper Podcast. I'm your host, John Sainamond. This podcast is dedicated to fitness, health, and nutrition from the perspective of a 40-something CrossFit athlete, trainer, and weightlifting coach in Bedford, Nova Scotia, Canada. Keep in touch by following along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the handle at BoxJumperOver40. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting app, subscribe or follow in your app so that you get the next episode of the podcast as it's released. All right, now before we get into it, a little bit of truth time. I lost my motivation there for a while. As you can tell, it's been a little while since I released an episode. And there's no way to sugarcoat it. My drive to publish simply waned there a little bit. My drive to train lost a little bit of its zip, although I did keep it up. The fire was what I would charitably call a smolder. Now, there's no particular reason either. Sometimes that just happens. Um, There are also times when it's hard to will yourself out of that funk. On occasion, something will shake it loose. And in cases like for me, you just have to keep to the grind and trust that you just need to wait for that cresting wave again to lift you up and give you a little push to get you moving again. Uh, and to some extent for me, that was the approach of the 2022 Open. And so I'm back and I'm, I'm pretty fired up. Uh, I hope that my training and this podcast will both ride that momentum forward and help reach new heights. Today is a step in that direction for sure. For today's episode, I'm joined by Eric Weiss, whose main job is catching bad guys as a U.S. Marshal. He's been in law enforcement for more than 20 years. And in addition to being passionate about what he does professionally, he's also passionate about CrossFit. He's been training in the methodology since 2008, got his L1 in 2017, his L2 in 2020, and he's already working towards his L3 in addition to being a precision nutrition coach. His commitment to coaching is considerable. He also serves as a remote coach to a virtual community of which I'm a part, CrossFit Lynchpin. Many of you have heard of it before, uh, certainly if you've listened to this podcast. And he is also the chief content contributor and moderator for a private Facebook group intended for aspiring and current CrossFit coaches seeking to better themselves alongside other trainers that relentlessly pursue professionalism as CrossFit coaches. Now, as a CrossFit coach and athlete myself, it was kind of a no-brainer to ask Eric to join me for a chat for the podcast so we could kind of geek out on the methodology, its applications to real life, the challenges and rewards brought about by the pandemic-aided surge in remote coaching, and how he helps others and himself develop as a coach. And of course, for good measure, we talked about an exciting start to this year's CrossFit season, a throwdown between his gym and their friendly New York City rivals, the FDNY Barbell Club that was held the same night as 22.1 was announced. So in 10 seconds, I'll be chatting with Eric Weiss as we talk about the stepping stones to becoming a better coach and using that knowledge to drive small and steady changes that can add up to be life-changing. John, welcome to the Box Jumper Podcast. Thank you. Honored. Um, before we get into what I'm sure was an exciting event last night that was teased, or rather Thursday night, that was teased uh, during the live broadcast by uh, by the CrossFit announcement for 22.1, um, I wanted to give some people some background on who you are, why I'm talking to you, what your interests are, and and where you're headed with CrossFit. So even before we get into how you got into CrossFit, I'm curious, like, what was your background in sport? How did you wind up coming to CrossFit? So late 90s, I got my first fitness certification by ISSSA, the International Mm -hmm. Sports Science Association. And uh, from there, just uh, fitness always been a part of my life. I've got a strong family history of heart disease in my mm-hmm. family, uh, thyroid disease, which I have. And then, uh, you know, I'm in a law enforcement profession. So fitness is a big part of, of what we do. So it's been uh, just a part of my life since, since very early on. Right. And so, you know, it, with all the, the experience that you've had in fitness and health, um, when did you first hear of CrossFit and what that wound up meaning to how you trained? So it was actually 2008, I was at the Federal Law Enforcement Training Center down in Glencoe, Georgia. And it was on the weekend and I see a few of my classmates and they're working out and they're taking this big ball and they're throwing it to a wall. 
and then they're running half the track, which was now I know is a 200 meter, then back doing more wall balls. So I went up to the one guy, I saw him later. I said, hey, what were you guys doing over there? And he was from the South, had a very thick accent. And he was like, Crawford. And I was like, I was like, <laughs> and I was like, a little slower for this New York man because I thought you just said crawfish. So uh, <laughs> and he's like, a crawfish, you know? And I was like, oh, crossfit. Okay. And then that's when I got it. And, you know, the, actually the training that we were down there, our PT, our physical training, I uh, was down there for the U.S. Marshals, was mm-hmm. actually crossfit based. Like we didn't just go out on runs. Everything was some type of uh, strength training, and then we do a run, a bike, or something like that, or we mm-hmm. do some like carrying an objects, or you know, it, it was was definitely I think cutting edge. We were the one of those first agencies to really implement the functional fitness into right. our uh, program training. So mixed modality was not yes. uncommon. Yeah, and now it's now you go down there. I mean, that was many years ago. You know, fourteen years ago when I was down there for that. But I mean, now you it's pretty much all the agencies are doing something like that, so to speak. On, on the local level, it's a little bit different. A yeah. lot of them are still doing, you know, just the, hey, let's go for a five mile march in formation. But, you know, it's just not practical for what we do. Right. Well, and I mean, it changes the time domain of, of how much training you're going to be able to get in over the course of a week, too. Um, you know, if you got to do five miles, that's not a smaller, that's not a small investment of time compared to, you know, what you can accomplish with, you know, a couplet or a triplet that just knocks you on your ass in 10 minutes. Well, that, that is too. I mean, anytime if you're, you're on a foot chase or God forbid you're in a fight for your life, you know, most of those are a minute, two minutes. Right. And that's why Fran and those types of really short, uh, you know, duration workouts, hard and fast are really good for us because, you know, that's what, uh, you know, is going to potentially save your life or catch the bad guy. Or girl. I guess, you know, that it's, I've certainly heard talk of that, like the, the idea of the, the direct application and the direct transfer of, of the, you know, short burst intensity kind of stuff mixed with, you know, explosive power, like all of those elements make it an attractive training methodology for those that are in that position, firefighters, police, military. I mean, it, it makes sense that CrossFit started out and, and had its infancy among that population first and foremost. No, absolutely. And I try and tailor, you know, the programming that I do. And also even like uh, in the class, some of the warmups I do, I try and put it like applicable to what we do. You know, an example of that, one of my favorite warmups is we'll just, I'll have the athletes get on the ground and I'll have them from the ground position. When I say go, we're going to get up and we're going to sprint across the room as fast as we can. And then I switch it up and be like, all right, now using only your right hand only on your back, I need you to get up as fast as possible and sprint across that room. And then we switch it up. They're facing different ways, using their right, their left arm. And this implements, uh, I mean, it, it makes them feel like as if they were knocked to the ground and let's say their arm was injured and they didn't right. need to get their feet as fast as possible, defend themselves or run for cover. And that's the types of things how I try to put it into, you know, the workouts and the training that we do. So you can see, Hey, how this really relates to a real situation in the field. That's cool. I mean, I, I've done sort of the, the same thing with an albeit very different audience where I, I'm talking to, you know, people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s in our gym that are not law enforcement. So I'm talking about, you know, bend and, and pretend like you're picking up a, a really heavy basket of laundry. You know, I mean, you don't want to hurt your back when you're doing something like that. So lift like you're lifting a deadlift. And so the, the transference to real life winds up being uh, at least in their head kind of the same thing. But for your audience, it's a life and death decision that they have to make. And so you know, the, the transference to how they work in their everyday job is, is huge. Um, so that, that gets to, you know, how you got exposed to CrossFit in the first place. Did you just start, did you drop into an affiliate and just start training away in that methodology? Or did you work out on your own following, uh, some programming that you were finding or stuff from main site, or how did you get into the routine? There was this book going around, uh, the training academy, which we all got copies of this big, thick book. And it had pages and pages of workouts and it would be in our our office gym. And we'd go in there and we'd find, 
what looked to be at the time the most brutal thing that we could put ourselves through. And I'm like, all right, we're going to do that today. And that's how it was. It was more of, we, we were definitely doing more of the hopper method of, <laughs> of yeah. uh, you know, programming. Because back in those days, there there weren't the things like Lynchpin and, and the other right. communities where you can get that. It just wasn't there yet. And even the affiliate, affiliates back in that time were definitely not where they are today. So it was just this Bible of workouts that we would go to. And, uh, you yeah. know, it definitely was not well-rounded at all. <laughs> or we and just like, we'd say, all right, pick a number from one to, I think there was like 104 pages in the book. All right, pick yeah. a number of the page. All right, 74. We go to 74, whatever that workout would be. Ooh, that could be a, that could be a spicy way to go. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So how long have you been in law enforcement? So uh, 2002, I started my federal law enforcement career. Yeah. And what has your what has your career progression looked like um, with with uh, you know how have you progressed through the police force? So I'm actually a deputy U.S. marshal. I'm a federal agent, and uh, so I'm not with the NYPD, even though I'm the NYPD CrossFit's head coach. Interesting. So yeah, they have outside. It's open to outside agencies to come, and then you know I have the passion for coaching and stuff like that. So I started yeah. coaching with them in 2017. And then from there, you know, graduated to a head coach role. But uh, as far as my career goes, I, I work in a unit that investigates threats and does threat assessments against those who make threats to certain government officials to include federal judges, jurors, witnesses, prosecutors. And we do right. behavioral threat assessments on those to see what type of risk they pose to the people we protect. Tough line of work. Yeah, it's interesting. I definitely enjoy it. It's me to use the noggin a lot. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm definitely a fan. When did you start coaching? Was that so something coaching, that you just gravitated to naturally? Is it is it your personality to be at the front of the class and and lead people through something? So I've always I've done I've been teaching for my agency since 2010, and not in a fitness capacity, but uh, mm-hmm. instructing on the type of cases that we work. So right. I'm an adjunct instructor at our academy, and I teach a threat assessment class. And so from there, I've always been into teaching. And then from there, you know, I got my L1 in 2017 and then, uh, you know, got exposed to a few different boxes. I originally got it just because I was training in my garage for the most time. And I think for anyone training in their garage, the L1 is such an excellent way to be able to keep yourself in check because without that coach in front of you, you know, getting the feedback, you don't know if you've got a really immature, you know, air squat or whether your, your overhead position is lacking or some of the things, unless someone's looking at you, you know, you're not going to go. And then you go through those years of those poor movement patterns and that could lead to injury. So at least you should, I highly recommend that's what I did. And then uh, I started, uh, you know, following a few coaches. I did a coaching internship at CrossFit NYC. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, you know, from there I went on and found NYPD CrossFit and, uh, the rest is history. Got, they got my L2 in 2020. Yeah. So was was NYPD CrossFit, had they been doing uh, their own thing as an affiliate for a long time? No. Actually, 2017 is when they were uh, created by Ronald Perez, the team president. So oh, wow. just for some background, NYPD CrossFit is a not-for-profit. We are not the police department, but we are authorized by NYPD. And that's okay. how it allows other people outside of NYPD to join and actually work on their staff. So mm-hmm. we did have to get the, you know, hey, you are allowed to use the NYPD name. Mm-hmm. And then we went through the affiliating process through CrossFit and became a law enforcement box. And uh, so, you know, we're all, that's how basically just the background on how it works. But yeah, they just started very shortly before I reached out. And the way I found out about them was I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw they posted a picture of a shirt. I said, hey, I really want a shirt. And I said, hey, by the way, I'm an L1. You know, I'd be happy to help out and coach some classes. And then, before yeah. you know, I went down and shadowed one of the other coaches and then started coaching there on my own. And then before you know it, at the same time, I was going through my coaching internship at CrossFit NYC. And then, uh, you know, years later, here I am. Wow. Now, we met each other first um, through the CrossFit Lynchpin private track. Um, for those that haven't listened to my previous podcast episodes, 
Uh, CrossFit Linchpin is uh, an online affiliate that is run by Pat Sherwood, who I think everybody in the CrossFit space would have some familiarity with, at least, uh, from his uh, presence in the various different documentaries on CrossFit. And he's been a leading voice uh, in, in helping educate people on CrossFit and proper movement for eons because he's one of the uh, the originals from uh, seminar staff going back many years now and so this this online affiliate that I joined uh, I guess for me it was a little over two years ago I'm not sure exactly when you joined I'm about the same maybe a little bit yeah. longer but yeah yeah and so um, over the over the course of you know the, this particular online community is perhaps the the one and only uh, 100% positive community I've ever been on on Facebook. Um, you know, everybody is really welcoming and warm and, and open and um, f- willing to be vulnerable when they ask for opinions. They'll videotape themselves and, and ask for feedback. And they've been doing that for a long time. And then lo and behold, you had a conversation, uh, whether uh, offline or something along those lines, with Pat saying, hey, you know, I, I'd like to be able to help coach and instruct the the people that are that are going through this and working out in their garage gym because many of the linchpin members are not some are members of regular affiliates but many of them are, are learning crossfit without the benefit of a coach sitting right. in front of them so how did that conversation take place so i sent him an email and i saw the need while you know people were posting the stuff in the group asking for feedback but you, you mm-hmm. never know who you're getting feedback from true so I reached out to Pat and I said, if I was going to do it in the group, I wanted at least to have his approval to identify myself as a coach to say, Hey, you know, this is, you know, this is the feedback I'm providing. And I, I laid it out for him. I said, Hey, look, you know, um, here's what it is and here's what it isn't. What it is, is to get people to move better. Right. What it isn't is to crush people's dreams when they post a PR video that they're extremely proud and they're not asking for any feedback. And then for me to chime in, well, you need to do X, Y, and Z. That's not, that's <laughs> yeah. not, that's, that's not the role of an online coach in my, just my opinion. Which you unfortunately know? is the tenor of some of the conversations that occur elsewhere on the internet. Right. Hey, great job. You look great. Now, if they ask for some feedback, I'm going to provide it, but it's not the role to be the form police in the group. Right. You want the feedback, that's fine, but people should be celebrating their PRs and their their successes and not have that negative feedback. And so that's something I really wanted to hit home on how I how I roll with my remote coaching is hey, we you know, people are looking for some encouragement. They don't wanna we want them to post, we want them to be interactive. Any type of negative interaction is just definitely going to be uh, bad for their for their their whole well being as a person, so to speak. I think so. Right. And so was was the uh, was the inclination to provide this virtual coaching something that you had done before, or was this a fairly new process for you? No, actually, how it started was is that so for the content that was being taken for NYPD CrossFit's social media, I would I'm the I run the social media for them, and they would the people taking the video, our photographer would send us videos or pictures of yep. stuff during the class, and then I started to when I was posting stuff, but also stuff I would dissect and then I would text the member and be like, Hey, you know, just let you know, this video was taken and I want you to concentrate on this next class. And I thought it was a great way of touching the athlete outside of class to give them some feedback to think about and something tangible that they could see Mm -hmm. as opposed to a quick cue in the class to say, okay, you know, chest up or, you know, push your knees out or whatever it is. It's something they can, now they can physically see it. And I started taking still shots of the CrossFit websites, their (laughs) library of uh, videos. And then I would provide a visual cue by showing, hey, this is what you're doing. And here's a picture of James Hobart or Julie Fouché Mm-hmm. in the same position. And so now you could see, and then I would try and provide some type of feedback on how they can picture to engage their lats without mm-hmm. saying you need to engage your lats, so to speak, because that's just poor coaching yeah. terminology. A lot of people don't know what their lats are, where they are, or even like, how am I going to get these things under my arm to 
to uh you know to get tight and you know i think one yeah. of the biggest thing is as coaches i'm sure you think is like when people say get tight get tight like what does that mean where yeah. how what you know what am i supposed to be doing yeah so, more often than, more often than not when we're when we're seeking to achieve a particular outcome we wind up having to describe a body part and say how it needs to move differently right um, and, and so you know whether it's roll the shoulders back or pull your shoulder blades together anything along those lines they understand but if you target a specific muscle like you know, tighten your lats or squeeze your glutes. Not everyone picks up on that and responds the same way. That's one of the things that makes coaching so, um, so interesting. We wind up having to have a library of four or five different cues for the same damn thing because you never know what someone's going to respond to. And COVID has made that more challenging because there's, you know, when we're doing the whole social distancing thing, particularly in in the in-person environment, um, you know, the, the, touch cues have kind of gone away a little bit. I, I certainly, yeah. in my in my own experience, I, I can count on one hand the number of times I've used a touch cue uh, over the last two years. And not that I use them a lot, but certainly more than I have in the last two years um, in my early coaching days because there were, there were more opportunities and it was a nice blend of being able to demonstrate and give them a verbal cue or, or give them a touch cue. And now it feels like one of those tools has been taken away at the very least, or at least it's been subdued. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully we'll be back to being able to use tactile touch cues in, in so. the future. You know, I, I've been a little bit crafty with being able to use the PVC bar, I mean, PVC pipe. Yeah. In order for a lot of these stuff that you, and so you can still keep your distance without, you know, but, you know, it's still not the same, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. It just feels, I think it'll take some time to even, even when we're allowed to do it, I think it'll take some time to get used to the idea of closing the distance that we've been maintaining for a while. Um, Now in the virtual coaching environment, you don't have the benefit of being able to do that at all. So suddenly you wind up having to be even more well-versed in how to describe what it is that athlete needs to do. But the other thing that uh, is kind of interesting is that the athlete needs to be more well-versed in how to make it possible for you to coach them in that virtual environment. So can you talk about like, how have you trained people to take better quality photos and videos of themselves so that you're able to see the points of performance that you're looking for to give them concrete feedback? And that's one of the challenges that we discussed before coming on the the podcast or what, you know, what we talk about. And the biggest one is not getting enough views or getting poorly views of the camera. And then the biggest thing is not being able to see people's feet. Yeah. I, you know, I'm a big feet person as far as, you know, like uh, Coach Bergman says. A lot can be like revealed 90, there. That's for sure. Yeah, like 90% of all lifts are missed because of the, the feet. And plus, yeah. you know, they're our foundation. So not being able to see the feet, poor angles, not enough angles is something that uh, is is challenging. And then also, you know, PR videos, Everyone puts up their PR video and ask mm. for some feedback. All right, you want my feedback? Well, lighten the load. You're welcome. Yeah. I'll give yeah. you my Venmo. You can send me, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, those are not the best. While PVC pipe is not the best either, a light to moderate load so we can see how you move naturally without yeah. the heavy load, I think it's just my opinion, the best for me to look at and stuff. And so, you know, going back to my why for the CrossFit Lynchman community was because we're in the COVID times. I just wanted to keep my coach's eye sharp. I wanted to continue yeah. to, you know, to improve myself while, you know, I, I think I'm a, uh, I, I'm far from an expert coach, but I, I am, I think, progressing, progressing well with a lot of the continuing ed that I do and stuff. And so I, I just wanted to continue to keep my, my mind sharp. And the, the positive about doing it in a Facebook group is that I don't have the luxury of like when my athletes from NYPD CrossFit, they send me the video. And from there, I'm able to stop, pause, mark, provide the feedback and send back. Mm-hmm. Within a video in the group, you don't have that luxury of pausing it in the middle of there without having the play button in the middle yeah. or the other things. So you yeah. really have to be able to, you're really assessing the athlete and triaging what you should focus on first in as real time. While you do have the luxury of watching it over and over again, I still try and come up with something real quick and do my first initial triage through that first time I view it. Yeah, and go with that gut feel. 
I yeah. mean, that, that's that's the reality is is certainly during COVID times when we don't necessarily have, like if the gyms are closed or whatever the case may be, a lot of people wound up working in their garage and, and um, looking to virtual coaching if they were going to get any coaching at all. Um, right. And so for us coaches, it's a matter of, well, all right, how do, how do I put in or how do I put in the time towards uh, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours concept to become right. better at my craft? Um, because suddenly there's there's fewer opportunities to really be practicing that and seeing new athletes on a regular basis. So um, certainly the nice thing has been with with the positivity within the Lynchpin group and uh, how often they'll they'll post content looking for feedback. It it does give um, those of us in the coaching community an opportunity to exercise that muscle a little bit. Yeah. And it's, you know, the frustrating part too, though, with well, the doubt, not frustrating, the downside is that it's not, the athlete's not right in front of me. So I can't say, yeah. okay, that was worse. That was the same, or that was better. I wish I would see a lot more follow-up videos. Well, I do receive them. Yep. I don't see, I don't see them enough. Be like, Hey coach, well, here's based on your feedback, I tried to implement here's, you know, here's some, you know, updated videos. And I try and reach out to those athletes offline and say, Hey, you know, how are those cues, and those things we decided to work on working out for you? And then, you know, oftentimes they will send it, but it would be nice if to see them posted more because I, I do get a fair amount of private messages for athlete feedback, but I rather, not that I'm a, opposed to it, but I much rather be a learning point for everyone in the community to see. Mm -hmm. So maybe they can pick up a cue from there, or there are other coaches in there that might pick up a cue and say, Hey, you know, I really liked how you did that. Or another coach might chime in and say, Hey, I like to say X, Y, and Z. And I might pick up something from that coach. So, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, it's definitely, uh, I think better when it's actually in the community for everyone to see. I mean, it's, it's easy to underestimate the value of being able to give a cue have it be received and see that adjustment realized, not just to you as a coach and to that athlete, but in a group training environment, when other people see that cue result in a positive change, that can have an impact on how they move too. Because they, I mean, every athlete in a group environment winds up learning through osmosis from what other people are doing to some degree as well. And so while they may not have that particular deficiency in how they move in that moment, it still registers as something that they have learned about how to move correctly um, that then hopefully they they carry with them yeah absolutely they might pick up a cue like one of my favorite ones is for the engaging the lats is imagining you're you're squeezing big grapefruits under your arm and you want to squeeze the juice out uh, you know or you've got newspapers under each arm and you don't want the wind to blow them away like right yeah. you might be seeing, you know, a movement video that coach Pat puts out and says, all right, here, we want to do X, Y, and Z, engage your lats and stuff. And then go, oh yeah, the newspapers under the arm that I heard coach Eric say, you know, that worked for me, you know, yeah. you know, the other frustrating part or not challenging part is that when you have multiple people commenting on the feedback, when, when people post in the group, Hey, I'd like some feedback on my power clean, for instance, you'll have a wide array of people of coming in there and you'll have one, you know, Hey, you know, move the bar forward. Your arms are too narrowed. Your hands are too narrowed. You, you know, like there'd be a wide range of stuff there. Mm. And I'm sure the person reading has got to be like, Oh, oh my God, how am, how am I going to, what am I going to do here? What am I going to do first? Or yeah. it'll be like real technical talk from a very experienced lifter that's very knowledgeable in it, but is not explaining it in a way for someone to put it in their mind and be able to put it into practice, so to speak, and getting yep. real technically, you know, like saying, well, on your first poll, you should do X, Y, and Z and your second poll. And it's just like, they're like overwhelmed with stuff. So sometimes that's often a, a challenge to weed through. And I certainly don't want to say, Hey, you want to, ignore all that noise. But I will say for the most part, 99.9% .9 of the additional feedback that gets in the lynching community is is pretty legit. And it's all usually extremely always friendly. I mean, I've, I've had, oh yeah, it's, it is an absolute gem because it is the only Facebook group that is not a dumpster fire. For, uh, oh, for I've, I've left a number of, of Facebook groups that, that really started to veer into just such a degree of negativity that it just didn't feel like it was uh, worthwhile to be part of the, the community anymore. For the couple of instances of positivity, there were many more instances of negativity, and that was starting to bug me. So, I mean, Lynchpin has been um, universally positive. Um, so, I mean, Pat's got a lot to be proud of there. 
it's an absolute gem. It's a it's a diamond in the rough. It is it is a absolute pleasure to be in there. The amount of support and uh, the actual friends that I've made from the group have been uh, tremendous. I'm I'm here on this podcast be, because of our connection through there. True. So yeah, you know, definitely. Um, I was a, a guest on uh, Pat's podcast, uh, Lynchpin Conversations. Where well, we I watched that as well. Virtual coaching. So uh, it's yep. and just an amazing, amazing figurehead for the sport. So it's just a, it's a really cool experience. Now you've, you've started a new venture um, within Facebook itself um, as kind of an offshoot of the whole idea of virtual coaching slash betterment of the, the, the practice of being a coach uh, in starting the, the CrossFit coaches study group uh, on Facebook, of which I'm a part as well. Um, what, what gave birth to that idea? So there, there's others out there which are good, but I wanted mm-hmm. to, my different spin to it. And I think the other groups, there are a lot of just people put out questions for people to ask. I wanted to share content for people to take and put into practice, comment on, help people become better coaches, help me become a better coach, and uh, really build our craft, which is, uh, you know, I, I've had some pretty not to, you know, toot my own. I've had some pretty impressive titles throughout my career, mm-hmm. but coach, I think is hands down, probably, you know, my favorite. And, uh, you know, it, it just, uh, I have a real passion for it. I'm always trying to become better, be the better me when helping people better their lives. I mean, that's, that's one thing, uh, you know, when I got into coaching, it's funny because uh, a friend of mine, Tisha, was um, a running partner of mine uh, years before we uh, both started CrossFit. And she and her husband started CrossFit together, and they eventually convinced me to, to start at the affiliate that they had joined. And I think it was within weeks, even though I think I was probably lying down on the ground, you know, just dying from a workout. And she just kind of joked that at some point you're going to wind up coaching this stuff. And I, I dismissed it as nonsense because I, I just didn't see myself in that role. But she also had a, an inkling of um, uh, just how much I like to try to help others find something that they, that they enjoy and, and to try to bring people along. And um, you know, I had coached my daughter's basketball team and I've been in various different leadership roles along the way. And the thing that I, I'm really enjoying about coaching and CrossFit is the, the introduction of new athletes to the sport and helping people learn how to move better. And it's not the, you know, the clean and jerk PR, it's the person doing their very first box jump because they were scared to death to do one for years. Um, you know, or, or the, the first time that someone does a pull up cause they thought they could never do one. I mean, there's so many different examples of that, that I experience uh, in the affiliate that I'm part of now. And those are the most rewarding things that I take out of coaching. Um, so, you know, what are, what are some of the highlights for you as a coach that, that you've had along the way that have reignited your fire and, and kept you interested in the coaching, uh, aspect? Cause I mean, you've been at it for a little while. So, I mean, how do you, how do you stay motivated and interested? You know, I, I really subscribe to the ideology of like small changes, several small changes over time equal big things. And, yep. uh, you know, we talking about PRs and one of my favorite PRs as a, approaching 47. I have a resting heart rate uh, almost at my age. It ranges in the low 40s. So especially someone with a strong family history of heart disease, and that's because of the CrossFit, not because of the workout, it's because of the CrossFit right. lifestyle that we have here. So that's my personal one. Yeah, but those everyday as, incremental changes. Yeah. So as far as a coach, it, it is just a satisfaction of, you know, the people that get involved with CrossFit for the most part are, are people that are eager to make changes in their lives. Mm-hmm. And if you give them changes that they can make, they often provide great feedback. And I, we just, we're in the fourth week of a nutrition reboot at NYPD CrossFit. And it's not just nutrition we're focusing on, but it's a whole holistic, different approach to life, focusing mm-hmm. on sleep, hydration, mindfulness, putting down the electronics, and just uh, even just recently getting feedback on, hey, this has really put me on a better track. I'm now getting that seven to eight hours instead of that four to six hours of sleep, and I'm not feeling like a zombie, and I'm not yelling at my kids as much because I'm putting down the phone at night and not sitting there endlessly scrolling through Instagram. 
And so, yeah, yeah I mean, I am proud when someone does a, uh, you know, a PR lift or, you know, gets that, you know, gets in the 400 club of the deadlift, but mm-hmm. it's the smaller things in life that I find for me to be more rewarding than those types of things. But that's just the, I guess, the kind of coach I am. Yeah. So uh, we alluded to it earlier. Um, you did have an exciting event uh, just two nights ago. Um, you know, we're, we're in open season, which is, you know, the, the exciting season for CrossFitters. Everybody across the world doing exactly the same workout as opposed to every box doing their own thing or potentially doing their own thing. Um, and so uh, there was a throwdown on Thursday night between uh, CrossFit NYPD and the FDNY Barbell Club. Uh, and so the CrossFit media team referenced the fact that this was going on. Now, apparently it was so successful and well attended, you wound up having to change venues. How did that happen? Yeah. So our initial place where we're in the early talks with CrossFit and talking with FDNY Barbell about the amount of spectators that we're going to have, we were expecting outside media, which did show there was the local police that were out on patrol, uh, showed up just to watch and such. So we we needed a bigger venue. And it was we were very saddened by Bridge and Tunnel's been a very good friend of ours over the years with, with our previous competitions that we had. And yep. so uh, you know, we felt bad, but we had to move to a bigger space and CrossFit Gantry in Long Island City was an incredible the the owner there has been very, very good to us. Just like I would say all of the boxes that we've had interactions with are extremely welcoming to us. And so unfortunately we had to move, but uh, it turned out to be an epic epic event. It was awesome. Uh, how many athletes were, uh, were involved? I mean, did you have, uh, a, a multitude of lanes set up at the same time? Did you have multiple heats? How did it work? So, yeah. So t- to backtrack, we had early talks about the event and how we wanted to do it. And then finally it came through, we have, uh, you know, a number of sponsors that helped out with putting some things together and yeah. then, uh, Noble, uh, sent us some shirts for the athletes to wear nice. and stuff, which was, which was pretty cool. Always and, sweet to get swag. Yo, always, yeah, I got a lot of swag that <laughs> night. Got a lot of swag. And so, you know, we put it together and it was just uh, something that just uh, people were, I guess, uh, really interested in seeing. The rivalry between the police department and the fire department has always been there. And, uh, you know, they are, the, the fire departments are brothers and sisters. We all are first responders in a different way. We do different jobs, but we are all to get like classic CrossFit. We are doing GPP, general yep. fitness preparedness. And we are as, uh, you know, right from the L1 or, or, you know, a lot of the old school videos, we are, you know, preparing for the unknown and the unknowable. We do not know what we are going to be walking into that day, whether it be, could be a very, you know, slow day, or it could be a day where we might be fighting for our lives. Right. And so that's why this was so important to us to highlight that and to also to bring attention to other members of our departments or the departments to say, hey, this is important. And it's not only important just because you're getting a good workout, but it's the lifestyle that we lead. And it's the PRs outside of the box, like your A1C, your resting heart rate, you know, your fasting glucose, you know, all of those things are just as important or even more important than your PRs inside the gym. You know, they all, right. like we like to say, you know, you're 23 outside of the hour, you know, outside of the gym each day are yeah. more important than your one hour in because you can't out train a bad diet and other bad health, you know, habits that you might have, you know, just uh, eventually it will catch up to you, especially as you age. So I, I think the messaging from us was so important more than the actual competition itself so to speak yeah and so i have to imagine the uh, the atmosphere was pretty uh pretty electric how much prep had to go into it given that you know you i mean what what time of day you were doing it it was i think it was 7 p.m that you were doing right. your your throwdown so that was only a matter of a couple of hours after the workout was announced yeah so we, i was at the gym when it got announced and uh, myself and the other coaches immediately got into uh strategic mode coming yeah. up with doing research on how best for our athletes to uh, to go through the workout and then obviously setting up the gym, which we had eight athletes going at time. We mm-hmm. had three heats and then we had one heat, which are two RX elite athletes went head to head as Oof. like the uh, main event, so to speak. Yeah. Also nice, nice opportunity to build up to the, to the, uh, the real fierce competition. 
it was crazy. So my whoop strap, it, you know, I didn't, uh, it was a rest day for me. And uh, my strain rate was like a, like a 13. <laughs> <laughs> so that goes to show you how we're like, screaming yeah. top of our lungs, getting pumped. I mean, I was nervous as, as, as if I was competing and I was only, you know, helping set things up and, uh, you know, coaching and stuff. Was there uh, was there balanced representation between the NYPD and the fire department? So we had a, a few more athletes uh, there than the fire department does, than the fire, mm-hmm. fire department did. You know, it's, um, you know, people's schedules. It's very hard to get days off, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, but it, it, it was a very good showing by spectators and by participants uh, on on each side. And uh, it definitely a very challenging workout. I haven't done it yet, but it looks like it's... Uh, I did it this morning. It was uh, it was as advertised. It was tough. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, I'm probably going to do it Monday. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, it definitely, it was awesome. We had a number of news channels. I got uh, and then Channel 2, Channel 11 was there. Uh, someone from the Morning Chalk Up was there. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, no, so definitely... We were feeling the love. Wow. Uh, I I won't I won't dare ask uh, whether there was a, a victory declared. We'll we'll leave that for the folks at CrossFit to reveal on Thursday when they announce twenty two point two. But I, I have to imagine that it was it was an incredibly fun time um, across the board. I mean, the, the, everybody that that we had uh, doing twenty one point or twenty two point one rather uh, over the course of I mean, we had a throwdown between our we have a intramural open um, right. at our gym, so everybody's assigned to a, a colored team, and so we had the captains of each of the teams who are basically responsible for ensuring that everybody does stuff. Uh, they all wound up taking on the the workout together um, head to head on Thursday night and then Friday night and Saturday through mid morning into early afternoon. We had athletes going through. I think we also had like, I think it was eight at a time where we're going in our gym as well. Um, and that worked out great. I mean, the energy was, was really high. And of course, you know, you got athletes that are doing the foundations version, the scaled version, the RX version, all next to each other. I mean, it was uh, that what I enjoy about the open in particular is the fact that, you know, everybody has their time slot for classes during the day because they're, you know, everybody has another life that they experience outside of the gym. So they have a schedule that they adhere to. And so most people have a a particular time slot that they stick to on a regular basis through the week. And then when the open comes in, everybody's all mixed together. And so even though like we kind of know each other in passing through the gym and stuff, the coaches get to know more people across the board than anyone else, but the athletes then get an opportunity to all mix together and, and work out all next to one another. Um, and that winds up being a, a real great community opportunity that I think is sometimes overlooked in how this event takes place. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, a lot, sometimes uh, the affiliates, and even coaches sometimes don't see how the open and how the actual, the games can help their box. But, you know, I, I think that it can, and I, I think it really holds largely on CrossFit with their messaging during the commercials of, yeah, these are our elite athletes, but this is what's going on in our, in our gym. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is the person that lost a hundred pounds. This is the person that's able to walk up a flight of stairs. And so to speak, it's like, don't be, you know, um, persuaded from giving this a try like you don't no, need to be uh, commonly i hear well i'm not in shape enough to do to start crossfit i was like no yeah. you come to crossfit to, to get, get into in shape. shape yeah and that's just that is a, a you know i so i can see people's position on why the messaging of the games could be a a negative and plus i i think we've gotten away from and as i mentioned early in the podcast how you know back in 2008 we would just go to this book and just find whatever would destroy us the most but now you know, over time we realized and the, the difference in, Hey, you know, maybe we should be leaving some gas in the tank more often yeah. than not. And not every workout should be putting you on the floor where you can't walk or talk for a period of time. It's yeah. just, well, there are some days you, you want to do that, but it, it should be few and far between. And most days you should feel you got a good sweat, you should be breathing very heavy. You should feel challenged physically and mentally but it should not be a draining experience every day where you cannot function uh, or you're going to be paying for it or can't move 
you know yeah so it's, that's something there's that, i mean certainly over, over the last uh, over the last you know generation of of affiliates opening up and and the progression that's occurred within the industry there's a lot more thoughtfulness to the way that programming is done in most affiliates not all of them universally uh, experience the same things the same way obviously because they're you know they're all independent businesses but you know i think one thing that we've kind of commonly come to understand is that you can't kill your members uh, with every workout because they 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 burn out they don't last they won't stay they don't have positive things to say like there there is a sustainability aspect to that as well um, that translates into member value member retention the, the experience that they have, the community feeling that they have is a big part of that as well. And so as a matter of um, survival, but also in bettering the way that it's done. I mean, it's it's been a community that has learned through experimentation um, and found better ways to do things. And, um, you know, uh, certainly the messaging that Pat has used for the, the way that linchpin programming is done is very consistent with that. Um, that idea that, you know, I mean, he, he readily admits he used to beat himself up. I mean, he was, he was a Navy SEAL. He had, he, it was all macho all the time. Um, and that's not his thought process anymore. It has evolved because he's, he's learned through experience that there's a better way. You can still achieve fantastic results without absolutely blitzing every single workout. Um, and so I think most affiliates have come to that realization as well. And so there's, there's a, a much, uh, gentler progression through the process. There's still workouts that'll have you lying on your back, very much like 22.1 did for me this morning. Um, but there, there's, you know, there's there's a better way, and I think that is something that is part of the messaging now that certainly wasn't uh, even when I first started CrossFit, which it was a little intimidating when I first joined a box. I was 40, yeah. um, and I thought, eh, is this really for me? I thought it was kind of a younger person thing. Turns out it was fine. Um, but I, I needed to turn my thinking around on that and experience it for myself. Absolutely. No, I, everyone's got their own personal experience, their own thing that they bring to the table. And, and what coach Pat does is just an incredible, his once a week, not for time or, you know, for time or not. Yeah. As I just think a great model for, uh, everything and just, uh, you know, scaling is cool and it's actually, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm sure you've had experience with difficult athletes that want to RX everything. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, they have a, as you, everyone uses the Fran as the benchmark for explaining, you know, missing the stimulus of a workout. But if you're, you know, they say if your Fran time is 14 minutes, you didn't do Fran. Right. You know, uh, so, you know, scaling it, getting that intended stimulus is so, so important. So, you know, it's, um, uh, it's something I, I think that is, like you said, being embraced by many in the community, in the Lynchman community, obviously. But I think, you know, throughout the different CrossFit affiliates and gyms out there that, you know, we need to make it known that you need to yeah. scale appropriately. Much rather you move smooth and fast than have to put that barbell down a million times and just totally, you know, miss the point of the whole workout. Yeah, I th- the, the, the realization that I came to fairly early because I'm not a big athlete uh, by any means. I mean, I'm five, 765 pounds. So that right there immediately sets a certain bar. So, you know, for, for most people, what they have to recognize is that RX is relative to your athletic ability. And so the, the, the prescribed stimulus varies based on how fit and how strong you are. And so it isn't one prescription for all that, that doesn't work. Um, we wind up scaling right out of the gate to, achieve the stimulus and make it relative to your fitness level and what you're dealing with on that day too. Um, And as long as people come in recognizing that that is the better way to train because it's going to keep you in the gym, it's going to keep you healthy, it's going to keep your joints feeling good, um, and it's going to keep you motivated because that bar then moves over time. Um, And so, you know, having, having your finger on the pulse of where you are in the moment um, allows you to measure your success over time. And so, you know, you modify the stimulus of Fran, let's say you keep the, the rep count exactly the same, but you drop the weight or you modify the rep count, keep the weight the same. And you continue to repeat that so that you're achieving the stimulus and you still see your time get better. That's real progress and something that you can carry with you when you wind up scaling 
back up closer to what the actual RX of a workout is. Yeah. And as coaches, I think the, that's on us to show and be good examples of that. And to like, even I'm often scaling the scaled workouts and there's no, there's no shame in that. I mean, I don't, I just want to move, you know, get a few minutes to myself, work out, sweat, breathe heavy, get in good shape, stay in good shape, live long. And, uh, you know, it's, it's important for the, our athletes and others in the community to see that, Hey, you know, there's the coach, look at what, look what they're doing, you know, and I've been in classes where, Oh, I'm beating the coach today. And I'm like, all right, well have fun with that. uh, (laughs) You know what I mean? I really, I've got no, you know, if I was any good at CrossFit, I wouldn't be a coach. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm an average on a good day and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like coach Pat, I got very poor shoulder mobility. So a lot of my overhead movements, my kipping mm. is lacking. So, you know, for a lot of the pull-up movements and stuff, I'm doing strict pull-ups. So my times are, so I reduce the amount of reps. Yep. So I'm still getting that good time domain. And, you know, I mean, I can kip, but I end up usually paying for it. I can't put my hand over my head for the next week or I'm driving the car like this, <laughs> you know? Um, yep. So, you know, and I make sure that, especially in the linchpin community, that you know, I post that people see, hey, even the coaches doing it, even the NYPD CrossFit community, hey, the coaches, you know, significantly scaling himself. So, oh yeah, we, I mean, we have to, to check our ego at the door the same as everybody else. I mean, you know, yeah, that's the reality so. of it. Um, you know, coaches are just athletes themselves. It just so happens that they have this other role. Um, you know, we, we've, we've worked on being able to spot flaws in movement and being, and being able to lead from the front. Um, that's just a layer on top of being an everyday athlete. Um, and so, you know, we, we have to be mindful of that and scale accordingly so that we're getting the, the proper stimulus as well. We don't need to be a hero and do our X just because we're the coach and we feel obligated to do our X. But also seeing even the new athletes, it makes them feel welcomed. It, it also, I think, makes you more approachable as a coach. Oh, yeah. As opposed to someone wanting to go up, which might be the quintessential looking and athlete and that happens to be a coach, might be a little bit more intimidating. Just my opinion that yeah. maybe maybe we can, they might relate to us a little bit more and be able to open up and say, hey, I'm struggling with this or I need help with this or what are your thoughts on scaling this? Yeah. With the uh, with the study group, um, is is it your intent? I mean, are you using that in addition to sharing information with other coaches and helping them along, and and uh, using that as an opportunity to to you know work your coaching muscles as well? Are are you envisioning progressing yourself to uh, to maybe do a level three at some point? So yeah, I started studying for the L three a little bit seriously this January. Uh, I'm in a coaches development group with Jason Ackerman. Yep. So from the best hour of their day, I've been in yeah. there. Coaches about this is like, I think I, this is my third year with him. Oh, and, wow. Uh, there's weekly calls, which we have as a group. There's a leadership call every week. There's homework. And then there's an L3 study group call every week. Yeah. And uh, so that's something my goal this summer is to take the L3. I listen but to their podcast a- regularly because there's, there's lots of great nuggets in there. Uh, the so- fact that they're giving that away for free is fantastic. Well, no, you have to pay. Well, the, well, the, the, podcast, the podcast is free. Is free. The, coach, <laughs> the, the coach's development. But the co- I, I would say the coach's development is pure gold yeah. because uh, the homework that we get, you know, we're submitting lesson plan, plans, we're recording our whiteboard brief, sending it in for feedback. I mean, just the amount of support there and the connections through there is just, uh, it's just tremendous. And, and, it's an, and it came at a perfect time when obviously I was looking for ways to continue to improve my coaching. It, you know, it didn't stop no. throughout the pandemic because we were already remote before that. So right. it was uh, really, especially during the height of COVID, it was something good to keep the mind sharp when uh, people were trying to figure out their, their niche in the community still when everything was closed. Yeah. How does, how does the, the uh, sort of that aspect of continuing education that you're doing as a coach influence your relationship with any of the other coaches at CrossFit NYPD? Like, do they share that same philosophy of spend the time to get better at what they do because you're, you're leading from that aspect? Yes. So actually we have a list of best hour podcasts that are required listening for the new coaches. No, nice. 
Yeah. So we've made a, I made a list and these are the ones you have to listen to the core yeah. ones and stuff like that, you know, cause I mean, uh, you know, when I did my CrossFit NYC and I, I didn't stay through the whole thing, but through, I couldn't speak to an athlete or give a cue until I shadowed 30 classes, 30 hours. Wow. So it was just going to the weekend study groups. And then during the week we'd shadow a number of classes. Then after you had 30, then you were allowed to lead a warm up. You were allowed to provide feedback cues, demo, and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I really think that there is a you do a disservice to someone when there is no like real true onboarding process for a new coach. Oh, for you know, sure. Stories of like, all right, here you're at your L one. Yeah. Nice to meet you. All right, you've got the seven a.m. Monday through whatever. You yeah. know, and it's just like, I mean, the the L one is just a. It just provides you with an overview of the methodology. It certainly does not make you a coach by no means. It's no, the- it, it, you're right. It, it scratches the surface. It definitely allows you to absorb um, a little bit more of the information that you as a coach should have because it's so well delivered and it's, and it's a very structured program, but it doesn't prepare you to be a coach in, in that sense. I mean, you really need the guidance of somebody that's been doing it for a while to really get you there. Um, you know, the same way as, you know, when you graduate from whatever program, uh, you've graduated from while technically you could just go start doing that thing. Um, having a mentor is incredibly uh, valuable. Yeah. Um, You have the credential, not the experience and uh, knowledge, so to speak, which, which lacks and stuff like you know, running an accessible class, you know, the whiteboard brief, which is just so, so important to have an effective whiteboard brief because it lays out the foundation for your whole class. Yeah. You know, those types of things, I think, and even in the L2, it's not covered that much. You know, I, I just think that those things that you're only going to get in an affiliate setting from a you know, well-versed coach. Yeah. And one of the things, I mean, I'm experiencing it now um, with the affiliate that I'm at now, Jenny runs Onside Performance Center, a longtime CrossFit affiliate. And she's got a a very structured approach to the onboarding for new coaches. Um, Now, I came from another affiliate already being a coach, so I didn't go through quite the same process flow that that she has for anybody that's coming in brand new. Um, But the, the the thought process that she's laid out for, like you said, um, you know, shadowing coaches that are delivering class, then they get deliver, com- they deliver components of classes and they are shadowed by an experienced coach. So there's always kind of two of them on site at the same time while they're going through that, that coaching development process. I mean, that, that's an incredibly invaluable um, exercise to go through because you get those checks and balances, you get some real time feedback as a coach, as opposed to as an athlete, but it, it, it follows that kind of same thought process to be able to give concrete feedback in the moment so that corrective action can be taken right away instead of getting feedback, you know, two months later when you do a uh, member survey or something, um, you know, you're, you're able to develop your skills at the front of the room with the benefit of the knowledge that another coach that's been doing this for a while has. Um, and so that's huge. Um, yeah. and that, that's one of the reasons I'm really looking forward to doing my L2 next month is, you know, I feel like I've, I've developed as a coach enough that I want to really have a detailed conversation with somebody that has a lot more experience with me, go through that clinical process, have my coaching dissected and thrown back at me in a different way. That that's, I think the feedback that I'm anticipating getting at the L2. It's a humbling experience. You know, you have to really go there being open to feedback because it is not a place where they're going to, while, while you will get fa- positive feedback, the, the real thing is they want to tell you what you need to approve on, hmm. so to speak. So just the, your delivery, how you interact with the athletes, how are you, you know, are you, you know, cross circle queuing, uh, you know, those types of things they're going to be looking for and how you articulate, engage with the athletes. So really knowing the ins and outs of the nine foundational movements, having a tactile, uh, verbal and visual cue for, for each type of the faults yeah. will go a long way. And, uh, you know, it, it's an amazing time. I mean, I, I gotta say, I, I would do it every month if I could 
and just the amount of the wealth of information you get from the uh, the L2 staff. It's just an incredible experience. I've been going back through the L1 guide just to refresh my memory on more the more the specific language that's used to describe uh, the points of performance. Because while intuitively I, I know them and, I, and I'm fairly well versed on them because I, I do it all the time, um, it, you know, to me, it's important that I bring the, the proper language back through the process as well so that I don't feel like I'm fumbling for the, the right word. Um, so that's the part that makes me maybe the most nervous is, you know, I haven't studied for anything in an academic sense in a really right. long time. So, you know, just searching for those proper words is going to be uh, a little bit eye-opening and new for me, at least in relative sense. Yeah, but don't be stuck on, you know, the technical terms. If you know it, you'll know it. And yeah. knowing in your head, even though you might not be able to describe it, but if you know the points of performance for, for the nine foundational movements, you'll easily spot the flaw because you'll see something is not right. Basically, you know what I mean? Yeah. The line of action, the back. I mean, those types of things are just uh, you know pretty common in most of of the movements that you'll be seeing. So, you know, it's uh, but that's definitely where to dive. But don't get hung up on knowing each and every technical term, so to speak, you know, right. know the information, know how to articulate it and you'll be just fine. Nice thing is I, I was able to confirm last weekend that Pete Shaw, who has been a guest on the podcast, I, I interviewed him last year as COVID was shutting down the gyms in, in Ontario again, uh, to talk about, uh, CrossFit as a form of healthcare and, and, you know, his, his fight to keep the gyms open, uh, in Ontario, at CrossFit Games athlete, advocate for for the industry, uh, and he just happens to be CrossFit st seminar staff, and he'll be one of the people doing my L2, so I'll actually get to meet him in person finally. Um, so that's fairly exciting for me. That was cool. So I had uh, same, well, there was three seminar staff in my L1, there was two at my L2, and uh, the husband and wife, uh, Dennis and Jennifer Marshall, Mm -hmm. uh, we're both at my L1 and L2 and their local box owners. So that was really cool to be able to see along the coaching journey, you know, to reconnect with them years later. So yeah. it, was a, it was an awesome experience. I don't think there's any seminar staff that are actually in the maritime provinces. So they wind up importing them for our, uh, our L2s and L1s. Um, and I think anybody that wants to do their L3 has to travel because I don't believe there's ever been one here. Um, I think the L2 that I'm attending here in Halifax, I believe it's the first time the L2 has been offered in Nova Scotia. Uh, oh, wow. It's traditionally been done in, in our neighboring province in New Brunswick. A little bit more central, uh, New Brunswick has had uh, CrossFit for just a little bit longer, and, and so it's got a fairly mature market there. Um, so they've been hosts to, uh, to the L2 and the L1 a number of times, um, but I was thrilled when I saw the L2 was going to be here in Halifax because at least I don't have to travel now. Uh, which was always making me nervous because I figured you bet I'd sign up and then there'll be a COVID spike. Everything will shut down. I won't be able to go. Um, or so, snowstorm or something. Or, or, or yeah, at this time of year in particular. Yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I, I can't wait to find out and see uh, through CrossFit media staff how that throwdown went. It sounds like it was super exciting. Um, the, the, you know, the, the friendly rivalry between CrossFit NYPD and the FBNY Barbell Club has to have been a big part of that whole event. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the combination of friendly rivalry and a little bit of trash talk at the same time. I'm sure that would have, would have taken place. Um, Eric, I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. Um, this was uh, a thrill for me to be able to talk to you and, and be able to pick your brain, knowing that we're part of that, this, uh, this online coaching community and helping people uh, you know, get comfortable and, and extend their knowledge as coaches. Um, it's a, a fun part of the process, and it was great to have you on. It was an absolute honor. I love talking this stuff. I totally geek and nerd out on anything CrossFit and, uh, you know, really appreciate the invite. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. All right. Take care. All right. That's it for this episode. All that's left is the M wrap up. Eric's got a fascinating story and a passion for helping others discover fitness and unlock their potential. This is a thread that I think connects most of us in the coaching community in CrossFit. 
I've visited dozens of affiliates, dropping into one or two, sometimes more, whenever I've traveled, and I look forward to getting back to doing that again. And while there are certainly differences between them that I notice, some large and some small, a remarkably consistent thread that has connected all of them is that coaches care, and the best ones care deeply about their community, their members, the relationships they have with one another, the happiness that they find outside the gym. That's the mark of a great coach, and as you could tell in our chat, that's a trait that Eric holds in excess. Coaching at a base level is about leveraging the knowledge, presence, and communication skills that you have to put the other person first and make them better. And it seems that that's part of Eric's DNA, so it was to our benefit that he found CrossFit. If you want to get in touch with Eric or learn more about the Coach's Study Group on Facebook, I'll include links in the show notes. Once again, sorry it's been so incredibly long since my last episode, but I am fired up again. It's been too long. I have several episodes planned that we'll be recording in the near future, and I'll be getting those out to everyone as soon as possible. In the meantime, if you like this episode, please share it with others or even write a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other fitness-minded people find the podcast. And if you have ideas or questions, send me an email at podcast at boxjumper.ca. Be sure to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using the handle at boxjumperover40. Thanks again for listening. Another fun chat for the Box Jumper podcast is on the way soon. Until then, stay healthy, wad happy, and wad often. <laughs>